Good. Hey, uh, do we have any Duck fans in here today? Oh, yeah. yeah. Hey, that was a close game. That was a nail-biter. How many uh, Yankee fans? Yeah, oh, that, that's kind of what I thought. But anyways, uh, hey, give me a little bit of uh, time to situate myself here. Uh, hey, I just want to tell you guys, this is my first time up here, so I might get a little nervous or whatnot. So uh, thank you. Uh, <laughs> if I get a cough, uh, excuse me, sometimes I start having this hellacious cough. It just goes crazy. Hey, uh, let's pray it up, and then uh, we'll get into the Word. Hey, Lord, uh, we just pray that uh, we would not center on who's up here preaching, but we would rather center on you, that we would build ourselves around you, Lord, that we would come to you to be built up. Lord, we ask that your Holy Spirit would come today, build up the body. We pray this in your name. Amen. If you guys have a Bible, please turn to Ephesians 4 to me, starting at verse 11. Will you guys please stand? Honor of the word. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Let me see them. Hey, uh, so I have something here. You guys know what this is? Any idea? Present. A present. Thank you. Saving the day. So it's a gift. Um, hey, I, I want to tell you something about this gift. This gift was, was made by me. It was... Uh, Something that, that I, uh, I made last night. So I made it from the heart, and, and I made it with, with my hands. And so it was meaningful. And, but the cool thing about this gift is I really give it away to someone. And so, uh, here we go. Hey, open that up and show everyone what you got. Wow, look at that. A VeggieTales coloring page. That is such an amazing gift, okay? Let's be honest. Let's, let's be honest here. If, if we really received a gift like that, we'd kind of be like, are you kidding me? Where, where's my gift card? Where's my gift card to H&M? Or where's my gift card to Nordstrom's? Or, or where's my car or my Xbox? You know, because we're always looking for those extravagant gifts. Um, but sometimes... That's how we, we look at Christ's gifts. So if we look at, uh, and he gave the apostles, prophets, evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. We look at those gifts where he says he gave them. And, and uh, we have a hard time uh, accepting those gifts. So Christ gives these gifts of those things to, to the church. And sometimes we want to pick and choose at those gifts. So, for example, uh, we might go, man, I really don't like the way that guy preaches up there. I just can't stand him. So I'm not going to go that Sunday because I know he's there. Well, I mean, let's, let's get real with ourselves. It's, it's not about us. It's about Christ. Or we might be like, I just don't like that one leader. I just don't like the way he, he, he acts or, or whatever. You know, hey, we've got to kind of get over that sometimes and, and 
be behind of who God is bringing into this body. Okay? Verse 12 says, To equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ. I also want to go to Acts 20. You don't have to turn there. If you want to, you can write it down. I'm just going to read it. Pay The Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own. You guys remember last week when uh, Caesar was here and he was talking about um, the body and building up the body, becoming a family, building up as a family. Well, you know, the whole kind of thing about where he was uh, last week was when we were discussing, to be honest, when I would be able to come up here, uh, we, p- we picked this date. We didn't know that Caesar was going to be before me or what he was going to kind of talk about. But it's interesting to see that before, la- or last week when he came up here, he was talking about the body and family. And then here this week I get to talk on Ephesians 4 about the body and, and building the body up. And so it's kind of cool where Soma's going to come in underneath us, build us up, and strengthen us. Can you imagine, uh, since this sermon's kind of titled Bodybuilding, you, you know for those fitness buffs in here, you know if you like continually work out one arm, it's just going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And this arm's going to be like this. And pretty soon you're going to be walking around. <laughs> you know, things like that. You might take a sip of coffee at Starbucks and go, oh, where did... sorry, you know. <laughs> um, but, <laughs> and honestly, we don't want that in the body. We don't want one piece of our body just puffed up. We want it all evened out. So we're working together in unity. We're uh, striving towards the goal of being having to, to be that body of building up for everyone. Um, but there is a price for working out sometimes. Sometimes we get sore. You know, if you're working out a lot, you're getting sore. You're on that last leg. Like, oh, but I can't do it. But you're like, I'm going to finish it. I'm going to finish it. And you finish it because you know the goal in the end is to restore yourself, to feel better. And uh, I think that's what God's saying here, is to come build the body up. Verse 13, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. I come up with three things out of verse 13. Who Christ is. Do we understand what he did? And do we desire to be like him? Do we understand that he's a son of God, sent by God, freely given to us, but with a price? Just kind of like, you know, when you work out, there's that paying, that's that striving forward. There's a price for Christ to go to that cross. Do we understand? He came He died. So we could live. So eventually, when we come to this table, here after a while, we could dip the bread in the wine or juice and we could remember what the body is for, how it builds us up. Fire to be like Him with the gifts He has given us. Do we stretch out and aspire to be like Christ? For instance, you guys seen the movie Rudy? 
Okay. So there's a part in the movie where Rudy, he's, he's walking through Notre Dame Stadium. At that time, that was the place to play football. Nowadays, uh, kind of, you know. <laughs> but he walks on stage, and he's in the end. He's looking at Dame. And after a while, there's a voice. And I think it's from the janitor. He says, hey, kid, you can't be here. You got to go. And Rudy looks at him, and he says, you know what? One day, I'm going to run out of that stadium, and I'm going to be a Notre Dame football player. You know why? Because he aspired to be a Notre Dame football player, just like we need to aspire to be like Christ. Sometimes it's hard to be aspire like Christ because, you know what? We think we're the water boy. That's all right. Jesus needs water boys. Or we think that our gifts aren't good enough. That's why Christ wants to come in and build us up with those gifts. And so here in a, uh, a little bit, uh, we're going to hear some interviews of, of three people who aspire to be like Christ, who aspire to live their lives out like Christ, to aspire their families to be like Christ, and, and their children, and their husbands. And so, uh, I'm going to pray for these interviews, and then uh, we're going to have them come up, okay? So. Lord, we just give you thanks for just having the freedom to aspire to be like you, Lord, to come into your presence, Lord. And sometimes it's hard to even think of being a player on your team, Lord. And, and I just pray that we would be coached with the leadership that you have equipped us with in the church, Lord. So we thank you, and we just ask that your Holy Spirit would be with these interviews. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Are you saying that one, your gifting is to serve children, serve people, and um, but now you're kind of saying how you've grown in that? God's used the context of where, so who you are in your gifting, and now where you're at in your context has also helped grow that gifting. Is that what you're saying? I think so. Um, when I started doing kids community, um, there was a need to have somebody come in because um, Royce and Monica had been leading and they were being called to do other things. And so it's kind of one of those things that, um, you know, if we want to keep serving the kids, somebody needs to lead that. And uh, so I'm like, okay, well, I'm a teacher, so can't be that hard. Um, what, <laughs> what, I, what I've come to find out, though, is that um, I love... I love being a part of what's going on downstairs, but it's also given me the opportunity to think more about um, what happens outside the walls of this building and how I can be more connected to, you know, the, the two kids that live next door that sometimes come, sometimes don't, or other people, you know, how, to, you know, how can God use me to be able to um, lead that ministry to then hopefully lead those kids to, um, to something different than what they're experiencing right now. You want to answer that one, too? Okay. How God has gifted you, and then maybe how you've grown in that gifting. Okay. <laughs> Here's one thing that I heard uh, this week when I, a couple weeks ago, three weeks ago, I sent this, this, these questions, right? 
and I said, hey, would you guys want to get up and, and say this, uh, you know, answer these questions? And I think like you and like I would have years ago, I would have sat there and I would have said, no way. I'm not going to get in front of everybody. And I heard this kind of, I've heard this questioning for years where people go, well, here's what I like to do. Is that, is that a gift? Or I'm not sure about my gifting. And a lot of people are asking that question. And so we want to also connect you. So talk to your missional community leaders. Talk to leadership here. Because if you don't know what your gifting is or who you are, that's, that's a major deal. We want to help you identify that so that you'll know more about who you are and how God made you. But I'm looking at these three ladies, and, and they're holding cautiously at times, not coming in here bragging, going, I'm this person. Isn't it clear that I rock in this gifting? Um, that's not the way they talk, by the way. Hey, kids, get in the car. We're going. Okay. Um, no, but, but each one of them really came to me and said, I'm not sure if this is a gifting, and I'm not sure if my gifting always seems beneficial. And so, uh, Sarah, will you talk a little bit about that? I appreciate what you said this morning, Russell, because sometimes I feel like I, my gifts are, I don't like them sometimes. <laughs> so, um, and I also think, um, I think when Sean emailed us, me, and asked this question, I, I kind of thought, are you kidding? Like, why these questions of all the questions in the world? Because I feel like gifting is an area right now that I'm experiencing so much humility in and so much, um, it's like, pray for brokenness. I'm going to break you in your gifting. And um, so I felt like I don't really have anything to say because I feel like my gift, what I always thought about my gifting has just been, like, smashed. And um, I don't feel like I'm good at the things that I'm thought, I've always thought I was supposed to be good at. And so um, my question has been to the Lord, do you want to humble me in my gifting? Is this so that you can use it better? Because um, my gifting, um, I guess, I mean, I'm starting to be brave enough to say it again because I feel like I just have done it so poorly that it can't possibly be my gifting. Um, but um, I've always scored high. I've been a Christian my whole life, taken a billion spiritual gift tests. I've always scored high in teaching and, um, and more recently, knowledge, wisdom, and faith. And faith I, I get completely. I grew up on the mission field, and my entire life I've lived off of the support of other people. And that, to me, is just normal. That's what we do. God always provides. So faith for me is, I, I don't, it's always just been something that's normal. But... Um, I'm a really big book nerd, really big book nerd, and um, I love, if there's any su- subject or especially um, theology, things like that, I can, I can just literally lock myself up in a room for weeks and read, and um, it's been impossible to do that with being a mother and a wife now, um, so in some senses I feel like I don't get to read, it's, it's kind of a treat for me, I have like on my schedule like this is half an hour I can sit with a book because it's really important to me to be learning. But um, with that comes um, teaching and knowledge. And um, when most people, and my home community have said this to me, they're surprised when they'll, they'll ask me a question and all of a sudden I can talk for half an hour at them. And they're kind of like, whoa, where did this all come from? She just has a lot to say about this. And um, it's really surprising because I can be quiet, but when you hit a button where I've studied something or I'm really passionate about something, it's really hard to get me to stop talking. And um, it's, I usually try to apologize to people. Um, and so 
I don't see that as a gift sometimes because I feel like it's annoying. And I feel like, who wants to, like, why do I all of a sudden feel like oh, this burning, like, I have to speak up about this. I need to say something about this. And a lot of times in retrospect, people will come back and tell me, like, wow, I really need to hear what you had to say or something. And that's usually my only, like, okay, well, hopefully God used that. And I don't know why there's these times of, like, I almost feel like I can't stop it. Like, it's coming out. And I'm like, why do I feel like I need to say what I've just learned about something or I don't know. And um, I think the humility comes with, because sometimes my studying and my um, talking endlessly about certain topics, um, I've just felt like maybe it's too much, or maybe I've been studying the wrong things, or I just feel like there's been a lot of things, like maybe I've gone in the wrong area with it. And um, Ann Olinger in our home community said, well, Sarah, I don't think you need to hit it out of the park every time for it to be considered a gifting. Like, you might have a gifting, but it doesn't mean you're always going to hit the home run with it. And I was like, you know, I really need to hear that because I felt like I'd failed so much in it. Like I'd been saying stuff to people that was maybe confusing them and not being helpful and spending time studying things that weren't building up the body and weren't doing all this stuff. And I'm like, this can't be my gifting. I'm screwing everything up and I'm not building anybody up in unity and love. I'm just destroying things and making things worse. And so for her to say that to me was like, okay, this could be an area where, I mean, there's a Bible verse that says knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. And so kind of like, okay, Lord, how can you use my gifting, my love of learning, and my love to share what I'm learning um, to build up and not tear down? And um, I feel very humbled in that right now. Like I'm kind of like, I just want to close my mouth all the time. Be like, don't say anything, don't say anything, don't say anything. And so really just trying to I guess submit it on the altar to God and say, if this is your gift, I realize that there's some weird way you've wired me that I love to talk about certain things I've studied, so help me to know when to speak up, what to say, and I just want to sacrifice it constantly, I guess, and not have it be, well, I learned this, and I want you to know this, because I think I'm pretty cool that I know this, but this is genuinely something that I feel like God wants me to share right now, and not being afraid to share. I think I've been afraid to share for a couple years now, just been like, eh, don't say anything, and I think God's trying to, with my home community, it's been super supportive. Like, Sarah, it's okay. You can say these things. They're very supportive of me. <laughs> so I'm like, okay. So, I, see, I told you. Long. That's great. <laughs> she has an outline in your Sunday bro- No, I'm just kidding. No, 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 no. That's a, this is exactly what we wanted. Uh, just to be thinking about who and how you're gifted, how God wants to use that. You hear that we all need... I hope this is striking you. We all need to be encouraged in who we are and finding out and being wooed by God to say, God takes great pleasure in the in the diversity of the gifts and how he made us and how we become one body. And um, the other thing I want to point out, and then I'm going to ask them one last question. And um, yeah, they didn't study for this one. This is a left, out of left field one. But um, what I want to say is, these three women, the reason I chose them is um, a lot of times you don't see them, and you don't see uh, their gifting, and I wanted them to be honored, one, uh, and I want you to be honored if you're one of those servants that is behind the scenes, and, uh, and there's a lot of servants in here, and we're going to do a volunteer appreciation dinner, and, um, and so some of you have invitations because you've served that way, and I want you to show up. I want you to show up and be acknowledged. And so that's, that's a reminder to you there. The other thing is, 
um, each one of these women, are, they're wrestling like we all do with who we are. Um, even in role and responsibility, you hear, you're hearing their gifting, but before sometimes it feels like they get to exercise that gifting is they're uh, standing behind ministers. People are bringing the Word of God. And uh, what they're doing for their husbands is, is supporting them so that we even have the ability to, for Russell to speak today or when I speak or whenever you see one of these guys shows up, they're part of oneness. They're part of a marriage. And, uh, and then they have children, and they're pouring into their families. And uh, that can't be uh, discounted. That's a, a ridiculously noble spot that God has uh, for mothers, for wives, and so to embrace that, that's hard in the society sometimes. And so there's a conflict sometimes between how we live as families, as, as mothers, as, as wives, and how do we minister. And so uh, men, when you see the ladies in the body, that you would realize all that they are contributing and doing because sometimes you see a lot of men. And I also strategically pick them because I want you to hear the, the female voice. I want you to know... the that uh, there's equality in the ministry and that God uh, loves the ladies, that he created them. Uh, and, uh, yeah, okay, come on. You made God weird. <laughs> Everybody's like, what? Not God loves the ladies. God loves the ladies. God made them. And, uh, and they deserve to be honored. And uh, so I just want us men to step up and do a great job because women are the unsung heroes, and I'm convinced that they're tougher than men. Anyway, love these women, and okay, maybe they're equally as tough. Um, Actually, I'm going to release you guys for time's sake. Uh, We're going to have Royce wrap this up, and then we're going to worship some more. I think that'd be cool. So will you give them a round of applause? Russell was the lead-off pitcher, I guess you say, for the early innings of this sermon. And I'm the relief pitcher, relief pitcher. Yes, we measure our sermons by innings, which, should, which yes, should concern you. Sean began asking these three questions of, of the ladies up there. Actually, he asked two. I'm going to ask the third one for you, okay? Uh, and they're questions that are valid for all of us. If, you, if you're sitting in a seat here today, regardless of whether this is your first time or you've been here for, since the beginning of Red Sea, these questions are valid for everybody. Those are, first of all, how has God gifted you? If you name the name of Christ, God has gifted you in probably more than one way. And, uh, and finding that out, as they've already said, is very important for us. How, how, have, you, have, how have you grown in your gifting? Uh, gifting isn't just something like a package, like a, a VeggieTales drawing that we hang onto the wall, okay? Uh, it, is, it is something that's a tool that we use. It's an empowerment. It's an ability that God gives us that's meant to be honed, just like sports skills and preaching skills and music skills aren't just meant once you get the gifting, you just let it go. It's meant to be grown and in, improved on and used and expanded on. So that's the gifting that God empowers us with is meant to do the same thing. Also, the question he didn't get to is how has God used you to build Red Sea? God does not give gifting to people simply so they can go off and do their own thing. 
There's no Lone Ranger Christians. We are in this body together. This Ephesians 4 passage is how we function as a church. How are we gifted as people in the church? And how are we using those giftings to building up the body of Christ, which is another term for the church. And Russell focused on Ephesians 4, uh, 11 and 12. Uh, that says that he, and he, which is Jesus, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the sh- pastors or shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry for building up of the body of Christ. And this is a very simple principle, straightforward, is that God has given, given leaders to the church, and one of, not the only, but one of the primary functions of leaders to the church is to equip the people who are part of the church to, be, uh, to function well in ministry. The word equipped simply means to restore to health, to give the, school, the, the skills and tools so they can function as God designed them to function. And ministry, we make this some religious word. Ministry is, oh, what do you do for the... I'm in the ministry, like it's some special place. Ministry is simply the word service. That's all it is, a service. And, and so he has he equipped the saints, those who are in Christ, to do service, to serve the kingdom, to serve in the kingdom and to serve Christ in the kingdom. And the entire, the entire church is supposed to be engaged in that spiritual labor, reaping the spiritual benefits from that and experiencing the fruit of that labor. In this passage... Um, Paul, I'm going to continue the passage, and we're going to look at uh, not just verses uh, 11 and 12, but we're going to look very quickly at 13, 14, 15, and 16. Okay? Uh, it's not going to take that long, but let's just work through these. Because what he says is, I want you guys to, uh, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Ephesians 4:11, and it's also going to be up here on the screen, if you just want to pay attention to the screen. Um, what he's saying here is that, you know what, this is the principle. Christ gives leaders to the church to equip the people in the church to do the service, to do the work of the ministry. And then he goes on to describe the purpose or the results of that leadership and that people being God's uh, gospel community on mission. He expands this. In, in the original language, this is all one sentence. Paul just kept loading and loading on uh, phrases to describe what it means. And he kept thinking of something new and adding it and adding it. So we get a full picture of what he means. So look at verse 13. Verse 13. And I'm just going to walk through and make some quick comments on that. But I want you to get the feel for this. One is, until we all, until we all reach the unity of the faith. He's not looking for a select few. He's not talking about just those leaders that God has, Christ has gifted to give the church. It, it's we all move forward in unity and faith. He says, attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. This isn't simply uh, intellectual knowledge, book knowledge, though that obviously the, the Bible has historical facts, it has propositional truth, there's things to learn. What he's talking about here is experiential knowledge. You, you know somebody or something because you've walked with them. You've, you've gone elbow to elbow with them. You've done battle with them. You've experienced things. You experienced the power of Christ as you've walked in the, in the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the kind of knowledge of the Son of God that he's talking about here. And he goes on to, to, to mature manhood. That is the goal of this, is there's a maturity in manhood. A maturity as the body of Christ he uses the male imagery for the body, but to mature manhood to attain to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Stature, he's just expounding on what mature manhood means. Stature either can mean age or it can mean physical uh, size. So when he says that they've uh, measured to the full stature of the fullness of Christ, it's either they've matured to an an age of wisdom or to a full mature bodybuilding, Russell's bodybuilding imagery. 
is that that is what he's looking for. The key image here is this, maturity. That's what he's looking for. We, we are equipped to the, do the work of the ministry so that we can move into maturity. The implication is if we're not engaged in ministry, if we as a body are not engaged and we as individuals are not engaged, we do not move forward very well to maturity. And maturity is fully, being fully developed. It's functioning with our intended ability or capacity. It's understanding the big picture of life and then making day-to-day decisions based on that big picture. It is having knowledge and wisdom from life experience. That's what it is. He's saying if you do the work of the ministry, what follows is maturity, wisdom. But he contrasts that with verse 14. Look at verse 14. Paul continues. He's still thinking about this. He says, so that we may no longer be children. We may no longer be children. We in our physical world, begin with infants, move to small, ch- to be a children, to, to young adulthood, to adulthood. Spiritually, people do the same thing. They go from being infants, spiritually immature, and they gain maturity. And they, as they get their physical skills, uh, just like a childhood gets better and better at honing those skills, spiritually, we do the same things. He says, so we as a church, we need to stop being children, and we need to move on. Uh, to, to maturity. And it's a direct contrast to the mature manhood in verse 15. And then he describes what ch- being a child is like in verse, in verse 14. Tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about um, every wind of doctrine by human cunning, craftiness, and deceitful schemes. So he's comparing being mature and not being a child, not being children, not being a church full of children who are blown around, tossed by any, anything that comes down the pike, they, they, they bite for it and go for it. Being a, ch- being a child is, means you're not fully developed. Being a child means that you function at a very low level of our potential ability and capabilities. Being a child means we do not have the big picture of life, that we, have our, we are the center of everything we do. Being a child means that you're gullible, and easily manipulated. And there are a lot of Christians, doesn't make a difference how long they've been a Christian, who are still children in their faith and walk with God, and they're very gullible. I'm a grandparent. We have six grandchildren, and I, since became a grandfather, have developed a new hobby. I like teasing my grandchildren. It's low cost, lots of fun, okay? Recently, our son brought his family down from Bremerton, and we, the kids were sitting around the table, and I was giving them some, going to give them something to eat. So... I said, to, I said to him, you know, I'm, I'm going to make you some lunch, and I'm going to make you frog fannies and toad toenails. Now, my granddaughter just stared like a you know, deer-in-the-headlights stare. And you could tell it was churning, like, I know what frogs are, and I know what toads are, and what does that look like in a bowl, you know? And, and, and are the frog fannies squishy? I mean, are, are toad toenails crunchy? She was just staring and churning and churning. My, gra- my grandson, our oldest grandchild, is starting to catch on. He's, he's been the brunt of a number of grandpas teasing. And what he has learned to do is wait for me and, and see if I'm waiting for a reaction, okay, then he's, he's, he's wise to that. And he'll just say, oh, grandpa, you're just teasing. Okay, he's alert to that. Why do I say that? There's a lot of people, the world, other people, Satan. Later in the book, he talks about the schemes of Satan. And, and we're immature. We're, we're tossed about. We're beaten about. We're teased. And more than teased, we're downright deceived. 
And anything that comes down the pike, we say, hey, you know, that must be good. They quoted a Bible verse, or they said, God told me this, and therefore we believe it. Maturity is saying that we know better, that we know in light of God's work, and as a body of Christ working together, we can discern those things. We are not anymore children. And in verse 15, he says, rather, now he's contrasting it again. He's saying, you were, you were children, but rather, now, I want you to speak the truth in love. Speak the truth in love. The word speak there can be used based on the context. It could be either means to, to verbally speak, to say something, or it can mean to do something. And it's usually based on the context that we know what it means. So this could be translated, a legitimate translation of this could be adhering to the truth in love. It could be living the truth in love. It could be the truth must be practiced in love. Now obviously speaking is a way we do that, right? Prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers do a lot of speaking. We in ministry do a lot of speaking. You, when you serve other people and share the gospel, do a lot of speaking. So speaking the truth in love obviously is a big part of that, but it's more than that. It's that we live, we practice the truth always in the context of love. And that's why, and what happens when we do that? We are growing up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. That's another way. We are growing up. We are maturing. We're becoming a mature man, a mature person in Christ. And then in verse 16, verse 16, it says, From whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint in which, which it is equipped. And there's the word equipped again. He, he's gone full circle. You've been equipped in ministry. This is a process. Now he's trying to describe a human body that it's working. So it's equipped. When every part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. He's using an imagery that Paul's used other places too, and that is of a human body. As Russell's even said, there's arms, there's legs, there's even some parts of the body we don't see. Livers, kidneys, organs. Uh, and, but when, we, when there's something wrong with a piece of our body, any piece of our body, it, 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 it's not simply that that, that that piece is wrong. We would say something like, I am sick. If, if I have an infection or if I have broken my leg, we don't just say, well, my leg has a problem, but the rest of me is doing fine. No, the whole body suffers for it. The whole body, though, when it is healthy, grows by it and is working hard. And when you're in shape and you know it, the whole body participates in that. And that's what he's talking about, that we grow, we get mature physically, he's using that body imagery. And, then, and, uh, and, and when you're uh, working well, all the parts are working together, we call it health. The word equipping means to restore to health. So when we're restored to health, we're now acting and functioning in health. Why don't, why don't we function this way? Why don't we live as a church this way? Both as individuals and as a church. Why, why, why don't we work together as a church in order to grow mature in Christ? Why, why is it so difficult sometimes for us to do this? I thought about that a lot this week. And I'm going to give you some of the reasons that I thought of. Some of them I have to own myself over the years, have, have, have owned these reasons. Some of them I have observed as a pastor. One is the spectator mentality. I call it the spectator mentality. And that simply is that we watch from the stands or we watch from a TV set and have the illusion that we're participating. Right? You know, they watch a football game. I love watching football. They go, somebody scores a touchdown. They could have a, they could, for the season, could be 0-10. They score a touchdown, and what do they do? What do the fans do in the stands? They cheer and do what with their hands? We're number one. Yeah, yeah. You know what? They're cheering, you know, we're doing this or we're doing that. 
I, I don't remember seeing you in the game. I, I don't remember seeing you do break a sweat, okay? But yet they have this ownership, they have this illusion that because I'm a fan, I get to have the glory. But of course, when things go wrong, I get to blame the coach and the players. We're a country of spectators, and we, and we do it. Uh, there is a famous quote that says, a football game is 22 players on a field in desperate need of rest and 100,000 people in the stands in desperate need of exercise. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of churches in the same, in the same boat. The second re- thing that I think keeps us back from doing this is a consumer mentality. Is a consumer mentality. Uh, we want to know what we get out of it, Right? We want to know what we get out. If we don't get something that we really want out of it, why bother? If we, if we want, we, and we want deals. We don't want to just get it. We want deals. We want it to be very little cost, but at very high value. And if it's not a deal, we're not going to bother. Okay? And we bring the same thing spiritually. Hey, if it's going to cost me a lot, I'm not going to bother. And is, what's the value? Prove it to me. Um, if it doesn't meet my preferences, I'll go without the other, another thing is that we don't like being inconvenienced. This is the one I probably struggle with the most. I, I just really don't like being inconvenienced, being a Christian. Being in, working in ministry, doing things, walking with Christ is very inconvenient sometimes. But we're too busy working things, doing what we want to prefer to do. We, that, that we sometimes just say, you know, I can't be involved. I've got all these other things to do. I can't really commit and work through those issues in my life with Christ because it's just inconvenient to do so i got other things that I value more. When demands on our energy and our time seem greater than we get out of it, we don't bother doing it all. Another thing that we uh, have trouble with is fear. Just outright fear. Fear of failing. Fear of failing. If we get in and we do something, we might fail. And that is worse than trying it all. Fear of being embarrassed because we don't do something the way somebody else does it or we don't do it as well as they do it, so we're not going to bother. Fear of, of not measuring up to other people's expectations. Basically, this is just all about having a fear of man and not a fear of God. Another thing that we have that we struggle with and I've had seasons of is just plain old, downright apathy. I just don't care. I just don't want to do it. I just don't care. And I've had those dark seasons where, you know what, it's just not worth the effort. And, we, and if we're honest with ourselves, we just don't value the maturity that we have in Christ, the gifts that we have in Christ, compared to the other things we have in life. So we struggle with apathy. Aren't you glad that Christ did not have these attitudes? Aren't you glad that Christ, when he came to deal with our sins, with our hurts, with our broken relationships with God and other people, did not have these same attitudes? Aren't you glad that Jesus was not just a spectator, rooting us on from a distance, but instead, Jesus took the human form and became one of us. He lived the life that we should live, and he died the death that we deserve. Aren't you glad that Jesus didn't say, oh, I won't redeem these peoples unless it does not cost me a lot. It cost Jesus a lot. It cost him his life. It cost him the price of absorbing the wrath of God on our behalf. It cost him a lot. Aren't you glad that Jesus did not uh, put put out only did not 
Aren't you glad Jesus was not put out by a little inconvenience? It was very inconvenient to be taken on human form, and it's very inconvenient for the Son of God to become man and to die on a cross. Aren't you glad that Jesus did not quit out of fear? For the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Aren't you glad that Jesus is not apathetic about dying for our sins so that we, can be eternally, so that we would be eternally separated from the Heavenly Father? Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. A fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Paul says in Romans that, but God shows his love for us in this, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The same Christ who gifts us, the same Christ who empowers us, died for us. And and nothing in the gospel message, even hints of being a spectator, of being a consumer, being inconvenient, fear, or apathy. And the gospel of Jesus Christ not only saves us from our sin, but it also is a thing that changes our lives. It also things that empowers us to do the work of service. The gospel message itself isn't, is, includes and is very crucial that we get that he died for our sins so that we can be reconciled to God. But that is not the entire gospel message that we are to proclaim to people or that we are to believe or to preach to ourselves. Paul said in Ephesians 2, he said, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. And then verse 10. For, why did he do eight verses 8 and 9? Why, did he, why do we get that by faith get grace? Why? For we are, plural, together, we are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. The gospel message is is that we are saved and we receive that only through faith. But the gospel message also is we are God's workmanship and we have things to do for the glory of God. In Corinthians, Paul says, in 2 Corinthians 5, he says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God. All this is from God. Who, through Christ, reconciled us to himself and and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. God is reconciling us to himself and then has turned around and given us that same ministry of reconciliation. That is, he goes on to explain himself, in Christ God is reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, and God is making his appeal through us. The gospel message is is that we are reconciled to God, but the gospel message also includes that we are the instruments which God has reconciled the world to himself. We have chosen. Why he's chosen that? Scholars have been debating that for 2,000 years, and nobody can figure it out. Why would he use feeble us to do his eternal work? That's part of the grace and glory of God. We didn't know all the reasons why, but that's what he said he's done. In, 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 in Ephesians, Paul says that he's given the leaders to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. One of the things that, as I thought about this too, is that we, we, we choke on the word ministry. Ministry can be one of those religious words. It's a vocational word. It's a, it's a thing you do in church. How, how many of you go to your job and do ministry? 
How many of you in your home? We don't talk like that or do ministry at home. But we should talk like that because the, the word just simply means service. It's serving. Can you serve on the job? Can you serve in your home? Can you serve in your neighborhoods? Can you serve to your neighbors? Yes, we can serve. That's all ministry is. And sometimes when we talk about equipping the saints for the work of the ministry, we think of ministry as some event or some activity, religious activity we do. Handing out flyers, preaching, helping in children's ministry, being in the worship team, working, doing something in the home community. We think of it as an activity in a place and a time where we do the religious stuff, and therefore we miss what really service is. Service is living according to the gospel, our gospel identity. That's back in verse 15 when he said, we are living the truth in love. We are living according to the gospel. In every aspect of our life is the ministry. It's not for this building. It's not for the home community. I mean, it is there, but not exclusively there. The gospel message is that we believe that God is himself has come to rescue and renew all creation including ourselves, including our families, including Red Sea, including St. John's, including Portland. He's reconciled those to himself in and through the work of Christ. In Jesus Christ, we are accepted, we are secure, and we are significant in what Christ has done for us. If you were here last week, you heard Caesar share. Russell's already alluded to that, that he was here, and how in God's providence, we did not know what he was going to share when we invited him, and he shared, and there's a lot of dovetailing, obviously by the work of the Spirit, with what we had planned ahead and what he was doing. And that's just, obviously, the Holy Spirit working through all of us, because we're all in the body, even if your home is in Tacoma. But when he shared, if you have not heard that message, it is online, I highly recommend you listen to it. If you, if you were here, I highly recommend you listen to it again. He had a lot of really good things to say. He said it slightly different than we did, but he says the same things we do. And that language he shared, we're going to be using a lot in the coming months. And so is gospel communities. Remember, he shared four things were part of our gospel identity. And the reason I'm sharing this is when he talks about equipping the saints for the work of the ministry, work of service, it works to living according to our identity in Christ. What is those things that we're going to be looking into in the coming months? That is the, the gospel identity of our family, that we're family, that, that we are children of God who live and care for each other as family. The identity of being missionaries, that we live and actively as missionaries sent by Jesus to make disciples, that we and our identity are servants, servants, service. It's the same word for minister, ministry. We are all servants. We are servants of God who serve others in a way, uh, in every way of life. We are learners. We, make, we uh, take responsibility for our own discipleship and the discipleship of others. That is the direction that, that, that we're doing. When we come up every night, every day, we celebrate the Lord's Supper. We do it for two reasons. First of all, we do it here in the gathering because we do it as an act of the body of Christ. All that mature manhood and all the things we do it together, we do it as part of the, as, as that as the body of Christ. We don't do this at home in, in the sense of you get to do it whenever you want to. It is meant to be something that we do together, to celebrate together what Christ has done on behalf of his body, the church. But when you go up there today, and we encourage you, if you're a believer, to come up here and take this, the Lord's Supper, we want you, first of all, always to be thankful for the death of Christ and the forgiveness of your sins. Always. But also today, when you come up here, I want you to think about some things. It's meant to be a thoughtful process that you come forward and you think about the gospel in your life. You think about those forgiveness. But I want you to think about three other things as you go up. Or pick one of the three, okay? 
If you're like me, I can't remember three things, so I just pick one. Pick, pick one. Acknowledge, first of all, acknowledge that you are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. You, as an individual, as a family, as Ritzy, you are God's workmanship. And he has things for you to do. Secondly, acknowledge that you are entrusted with a message of reconciliation. Everyone here, all of us as Red Sea and as individuals, have been entrusted. We are stewards of the gospel message. And thirdly, acknowledge that by God's design, we are part of a gospel community on mission. We together are a gospel community, and we together are on mission. We began by asking three questions. How has God gifted you? Because he has. How have you grown in that gifting? Because you should. And how has God used you to build Red Sea? Because you're part of the body of Christ. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you so, so much for your being proactive. Even before you created the world, you knew and planned how you would express your love and your glory to us, uh, human beings, even though you knew we would be fallen and deserving wrath, you decided that we'd be drawn to you. Lord, we thank you that when you, the Father, asked and, and commissioned the Son to go give his life as a ransom for many, that Son, Jesus Christ, did so, both as the Son of God, but also as a humble human, and took upon our sin, becoming one of us, And therefore, Lord, uh, being nailed to the cross and absorbing the wrath for us, but yet at the same time, releasing us not only from the bondage of sin, but also the power of sin, and eventually, Lord, someday when you return, even the presence of sin. Lord, we thank you that you've called us together, that you've called us into the body. We thank you for that imagery of being a mature body. And I pray, Lord, that those here who maybe feel like they're a wart on that body, or don't know where they belong in that body, that you would encourage them, draw them to yourself, and Lord, bring them to you in a way, in a fresh way that they haven't. Lord, if people are unsure about their giftedness, I pray that they would, as Sean mentioned, they would seek out others' input to talk about that and to pray about it and to expect you to use them. I pray, Lord, that you would ask those who are aware of their giftedness how to hone that gift and how to encourage it, how to humble themselves so that you would empower them even more than you have before. Lord, I pray also for Red Sea, that we would be a people, a gospel community on mission, a people on fire with joy and appreciation uh, because of all that Christ has done and that we cannot be contained with sharing the gospel message of reconciliation to our families, to the world around us. Lord, you are great, you are awesome, and we just thank you so much for all that you do in us and through us, through your Son, Jesus Christ. We pray this, Lord, in his name. Amen.